Hello, Greyhound. This is Trap One. Do you read me? Over. Hello and thank you for downloading the Trap One podcast. My name is Mark McManus and this week I'm delighted to welcome my co-hosts, John Featonby, and helping me to keep John Featonby talking about Doctor Who, Keith Say. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, so, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the new animated version of the Macro Terror. All right? All right. All right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. A brief pause while we laugh at our own joke that didn't quite work. <laughs> That's it. Uh, that half-hour rehearsal was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My majorette hat fell off. Did anyone uh, so, what? What? Um, how did we first encounter this story? Or what, what did we think of it before the animation? Uh, Keith, what, what was your first, first experience it's, with the book or the audio? The first experience would be seeing it in Doctor Who Weekly, with a big claw grabbing at a bloke's throat and thinking, wow, like you don't get things like that anymore. And uh, so is that a telesnap? So. Yeah, well, maybe just a picture of a random ah, right, monster, okay. like just talking about random monsters in the old days. It was like. There's no explanation of being just this poor bloke being grabbed by the neck in a scene that's probably not even in it because he didn't have his makeup on at the time. But uh, after that, it was um, just like uh, reading in uh, like episode guides and stuff like that. And it always sounded intriguing. Mm-hmm. And then it was the uh, Colin Baker doing the audio in a cassette form originally. Mm-hmm. And then Annika Wills did it later. Yeah, the Colin right. Baker one yeah. notoriously uh, describes Jamie as tossing restlessly. He does. When, they, uh, <laughs> when, they're, uh, when they're trying to be uh, indoctrinated in their sleep. Yeah. What about you, John? Did you read the, the Target book first? or? No, I, I, I did not. When did the Target book come out? It was I, really I quite only, a later uh, one, wasn't I, it? Yeah, it was really yeah I, I, I stopped the Target books um, Basically, when I uh, was a grown-up, which was quite early on, I'm afraid. So right the way through the 70s, I was getting the uh, Target books. And then I I just kind of packed it in. Uh, I stopped buying the books after maybe the Five Doctors. Five Doctors came out just like a couple of days before the TV program, didn't it? And I think that might be the last Target book that I bought. So no, no, no no novelization, no memory of watching the Macro Terror. There's all this kind of Patrick Troughton era stuff. It, it's still quite um, uncharted territory for me because I don't, I don't really go for, you know, I, I still cling desperately, pitiful, and the last man in the world, on, on the world clinging to the Omni rumour. And I, I just have this <laughs> sense that, you know, well, then they'll come back and we won't need all these recons and stuff and I'll just wait till then. Um, so, no, I, I haven't... <laughs> Never really kind of been aware of it. I got, I, I got the Colin Baker narrated, John Nathan Turner scripted mm-hmm. CDs, and couldn't really make head and tail of them, uh, to be honest. And then I, I got, I got the the Lost Episodes box sets that they did. You know, just kind of the. Uh, releases of the soundtracks on CD and that one's narrated by I think it's Annika Wills and it's a, it's a lot better it's a lot easier to understand but I because I'm quite visual you know I just hearing it doesn't it, it, it's, it's not felt quite real to me um, I've got the EWM did a collection of telesnap like three volumes of telesnaps 
years ago, 2013 maybe. Um, and I remember kind of looking through those and going, it's just no way in, doesn't mean anything to me, got nothing going on. So really, this is kind of kind of my first time through um, this Blu-ray release. And it's, I'm really pretty impressed with it. Yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Did you go for the, the Steelbook, the regular Blu-ray or the DVD? Well, of course I went for the Steelbook. I've got 12 Doctor Who's... Sorry, hang on, I did that in the wrong box. I've got uh, 12 Doctor Who Steelbooks, you know. I think, there are, I think there are only 12 and I've got 12. Feels like a thing. I got the DVD because I wanted a complete DVD collection. So, <laughs> and it matches nicely. It's it here. Does. You've got the um, got the it's got the sort of the roundel uh, kind of pattern on the top half. It was reversible. Oh, beautiful. So I got it out. I instantly reversed it, so I didn't have to uh, uh, have any erroneous thing on the shelf. And then I actually watched it, <laughs> but I had to have it on the shelf first just to see it there. <laughs> I'm glad you immediately reversed the sleeve. It astonishes <laughs> me when people don't do that. I do the same with the big finish as well. As soon as that arrives, I swap the. <laughs> I move the cover over so the uh, the actual um, series logo yeah. is rather than the uh, the modern one. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's fiddly and it takes a lot of time, but you know. And I instantly devalue it. it, so I've got no sell value because I've taken the plastic off it. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but it looks nice. I don't even play the CD, so I've listened to the download already. But um, it looks uh -huh. nice on the shelf. Briefly. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really impressed with the, the steel books. I mean, they, um, they, they seem to put a lot of work into the, the, the art that goes on the covers. They're, they're mm -hmm. just quite, quite beautiful artifacts. I mean, it's ridiculous paying a couple more quid for them, but they are pretty. And hey, we get the extra Blu-ray in oh, the steel book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so disc one is the... The colour animation. Uh, disc two is the black and white animation, which I think is standard. And then we get disc three. I was very excited about that. It's exclusive. And what's on it, Mark? Gridlock. And yeah. the cut-down version of Doctor Who Confidate. The cut-down version. <laughs> yeah. It's a Blu-ray. <laughs> They've got one episode of new Doctor Who on it. There must have been room for the full version of Doctor Who Confidential, I'd have thought. Have they kept them all, though? Have they wiped them? Are they now lost? Because you can't get the full, <laughs> full episode. You record them off the telly. Like, what oh, no. Yeah. They're gone for good. They're in a virtual bin somewhere. Hmm? Yeah, it seems odd that they've never released those because I think the cut-down versions, because that, especially that first series back, the Eccleston series, they had a lot of input from the old Doctors and stuff, didn't they? Um, and I think that was the stuff... There was a lot of old clips because they basically didn't have enough footage to fill the shows up. That's yeah. That became more expensive. And that seemed to be the stuff that got excised from the cut-down... I think um, that was probably right, but later on it was just... Um, and it's, Still, the, to be honest, there's not a lot of um, repetition in those things, so maybe they're just cutting out the repetition for uh, a disc. Yeah, but, we're in the era now where you know, kind of the, the box set Blu rays of the, the classic series that they've released have got you know, acres and acres and acres of footage of you know, just raw studio footage and every single extra you could imagine. I don't think Doctor Who fans want less things fewer things or cut down versions of things i think if anything just sort of make it slightly longer yeah hmm. more music I don't, yeah, really out of date now I, I, that, that third uh, the third blu-ray was uh, the, the only slight element of disappointment i've had with the package so far i think it's um it's really rather splendid yeah well speaking of um of uh, displaying them do you keep your steelbook in the little cardboard 
uh, kind of insert that it comes in. Oh, Mark, you have to keep it in the little cardboard <laughs> thing that it comes in, because otherwise the booklet falls out, doesn't it? Well, yeah, my concern is the booklet will get crumpled within the steel ray, uh, within the <laughs> steel concern. I think basically what you have to do is buy two, Mark, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but then I think it looks better if it's not on the shelf in the little in the little cardboard insert. So you know, I, it, I'm in a bind. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Whenever I'm involved in conversations like this, I always say that I have a little mental flash forward to like one billion years hence, when the Earth is just dust, and then all our, all of our steel books and books and comics and DVDs, precious things, have just been reduced to their component atoms. And I think well, that's a shame. Um, but you know, it's just stuff at the end of the day, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's difficult. No, I, I I'm not so worried about crumpling my um, my booklets. I keep them <laughs> snug in their cardboard <laughs> with the steel books, which I then uh, display uh, separately from the DVDs. Okay. I think it's uh, an important... Did, did that answer, you, did answer to your question that is accurate but not entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an important point to cover because uh, I know we, we differ on the... Uh, the uh, the CD soundtracks as to where they should go in your collection. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're mixing you're mixing the media, and I don't mind. It's your choice. You do what you like, Mark. But you are wrong. <laughs> but you've got to, you've got to have the most complete version of each story in order. I think. Yeah, it's a good argument, but it, does it not look a bit stupid? Yes. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't completion section. I don't like the look of it. I have to say. But we've got the next. Yeah, well, what, do, you, do you have a system, Keith? Yep, I've got all the DVDs and I've got the CDs um, slotted in between, which I've done relatively recently. And it oh, looks, Mark, Mark, it Mark looks, is gaslighting you, mate. You don't <laughs> have to do that. It looks bloody awful, but it feels better. It feels correct. <laughs> we've got the next. I sleep better with it like that. <laughs> we, can no longer, we can no longer be friends, and I'm ending this recording now. Basically, I'm like the me doc. Of, of Doctor <laughs> Who DVDs, it's like she can be in a little cubicle, just going, "No, the DVDs stay together, the CDs go separately." That's what happens. Well, I hope but, your hair's better. <laughs> a, it is a bit Blackadder-y, isn't it? Blackadder, Blackadder series one hair, but it is—it's quite authentic. I'd look at the telly snaps. That's definitely the look they went for. Yeah. Poor old Terence, whatever his name was, Terence Stamp, Terence Malik. Terence Dix. Terence... Oh, Terence Dix. Just to have a segue, it was a wonderful spat with him and uh, um, Bidmead and the... Uh, the Doctor Who uh, magazine, magazine today. Page, I yeah. found it intensely uh, oh. enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, heck. What's, what, what's the nature of the, the beef? So this is in response to uh, Christopher H. Bidmead's... There's a story in uh, that he tells on the Season 18 Blu-ray. Yawn. About... <laughs> <laughs> Season 18 is a damn fine piece of work. No, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it um, is. So he talks it about... It is not. How, yes, uh, it is. <laughs> sorry, Mark, sorry. No, sorry, it's okay. Um, it isn't, Apparently... <gasps> but it is! You've got this wrong! Sorry, Mark, carry on. Uh, I think I think uh, Christopher H. Bismead refers to Terran Sticks crying um, about changes to the script or something like that, to State of Decay. Uh, so Terence Dix is the star letter in this month's Doctor Who magazine where he uh, rebuts this and um, 
talked about how the executive producer, which was it would be Barry Letts, was it at that time? It was, yeah. Um, it was, yeah. And the director of the story, Peter Moffat, both tell a very different story about how Christopher H. Bidmead rewrote the script, making it boring. Uh, and the director said that's it's rubbish. Not boring, it, it's <laughs> challenging. <laughs> the director said that's rubbish. Put it back to how it was when Terence Dix wrote it. Challenging, yes. Oh. That's what they had to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I can I can only imagine, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I haven't kept up with this is news to me, and I find myself quite conflicted because I very very much like. Uh, what I call the long season 18. There's a historian called Eric Hobsbawm, or there was. Um, he's dead now. Uh, but he was 100. More than watching season 18, presumably. And one, one of his specialities is what he called the long, it was the long 19th century, because um, it didn't just start at 1801 and finish in 1899 or 1900 or whatever. He extended it from, I don't know, something to do with the Austro-Hungarian Empire, probably, to the beginning of World War One. Uh, and I thought, oh, I understand that. That's like a discrete bit of history. And I've got like a long season 18 in my head, which basically starts with Sharda and runs through to the end of Castrovalva, and I'm very happy with every single second of that. Very good. Anyway, initial thoughts, seeing as you didn't ask about uh, Terence Dix versus Christopher Bidmead is basically the Sontarans versus the Censorites, isn't it? Um, in terms of just what they look like, <laughs> where I've gone with that. Sorry, they don't listen, do they? No, no, not. I imagine not, no. I don't Sontarans think. Sontarans versus no. Terran would be. Yeah, we haven't got the profile for that. <laughs> I think my money would be on Terence Dix. Also, my heart is with Terence Dix because that man basically got me into books. Mm -hmm. Why he's never had a gong for all the kids he must have got reading over the years, I've never known. Yeah. I, I have had this conversation with a lot of people in my workplace because I work in a place with a lot of books. Uh, it's a shop, ah. in fact. Uh, yeah, I, know I have this conversation a lot with people and often we conclude that he must be offered it every year and just says no. The tragedy is the great and the good have probably just never heard of him. That's the sad thing. Mm. Oh, that would be outrageous. I know, but it's probably the case, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a travesty. Who'd have thought that such a, a brilliantly formulated system as the British, by which I mean English class system, could have any shortcomings whatsoever? I mean, it generally works so very, very well. It's come as a shock to me. <laughs> yeah. Well. Perhaps being run by giant crabs. Well, do you know what? You're onto something here. Because I, I, whilst I was watching The Macro Terror, uh, which I believe is what we're supposed to be talking <laughs> about, <laughs> I did notice it is quite topical, isn't it? Yes. Sort of fake news, denial mm -hmm. of things that people can actually see happening in front of them. That was, that was quite a sort of, um, sort of war on ontology going on yeah. in the world at the moment. It's quite a serious thing. And I, I think it, it was quite interesting to see it reflected in the mid-60s. Because I, th I think mid-60s were a little bit, in terms of paradigm shift, a little bit like what we're going through now in that there's um, – a very old generation, which in the 60s would have been the, you know, the guys who went through the war and put up austerity and built the, the welfare state from nothing at all, who suddenly saw generations after them not having to work so hard, 
having loads of sex and not having to cut their hair and stuff and were a little bit disgruntled about it. Um, whereas the young people were just looking at, uh, you know, sort of a slightly ossified older generation and wondering why they wouldn't just let them get on with it. And I feel like that's that's kind of happening now again. It's like the baton is being passed. Well, except it isn't, because the scaly old, horrible old people such as me seem to be clinging on to the baton, very reluctant to let it go to the people who are going to be inhabiting the planet for the next 50 to 100 years. What do you think, guys? Bit politics? Mm, yeah, I think um, the same thing. I think, I mean, you watch kind of everything through a, a bit of a lens nowadays, don't you? And I think, yeah, the macro terror is very, lends itself to that very much where the sort of the political class are uh, deliberately trying to mislead people and, and tell them what's good for them when it quite obviously isn't. Yeah, it's uh, it's depressingly poignant. Yeah, yeah. Except to be honest, I'd <clears throat> rather have the macro. Yeah. I mean, they're quite, they're quite, they're quite cute. <laughs> well, I'm pretty on the defence of the macro here because it's a fairly benign dictatorship. They're basically just trying to survive and yeah. they'll get slaughtered without anybody saying, um, are we sort of like going to have sort of a, um, a talk about this first? No, we're just going to kill you. So, I, absolutely. Also, also, I mean, I, I don't know if it's clear and probably we'll get on to this when we're talking about the story, but is this... I mean, the, the, the people from Earth Planet, which I'm assuming is Earth, mm-hmm. um, are the colonists. So, I mean, are, are we to understand that the Macra are indigenous? Because it's all very vague, isn't it? There's a little About line that says, the, were they the, here the first? So, yeah. it's not because I, I think just, they're indigenous. Just, so. I, I think there's a, vers- a version of a, the Macra terror to be told from the point of view mm. of the Macra, which would be like fucking dances with wolves, right? Um, they could get like maybe Meadoff could be the Kevin Costner person who just starts <laughs> media, you know. So sorry for swearing, by the way. I noticed I swore there, so you probably bleep it out or something. I'm definitely not going to do any more swearing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it does seem grotesquely unfair. The Macra, I mean, for for all the fact that you know. <laughs> We're seeing them maybe at their worst. If this is their home planet, I mean, they've got a right to be a bit upset, haven't they? But then how did they mind the stuff before the people were there? So, Yeah, and who told anyone they were called the Macra? He yeah. said so many questions. They did, ironically, <laughs> by saying they're not existing. So, <laughs> It's the Barbara Streisand effect, isn't it? It's like if they just shut up, everyone would have gone, nah, I probably didn't see a big crab. Whereas if you run around going, you didn't see a big crab. Everyone's going to go, whoa, I did see a big crab, didn't I? Are you, are you aware of the Streisand effect? No. There was a thing. Oh, cranky, I'm going to get this wrong now. It's, it's one of these phenomena. Um, some, somebody published a picture on some some bit of the internet of Barbara Streisand's house. And she complained and said, you've put a picture of my house on the internet. And now everyone can see it. At which point the whole of the rest of the internet went, oh, we can house. House. And, and clicks on it. So it's that thing where, you know, in trying to stop thing something, you just make it massively more interesting. So yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. It's like the, the super the injunctions, base. isn't it? With the uh, when the, the the when the super injunctions fail and that becomes about the oh, story, God. and then you find out who it is, and it, 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 it rather than sort of um, blowing Captain over it, it, two yeah. seconds in the paper, it's seven weeks worth, yeah. Yeah, or the, uh, Ryan Giggs or whatever, that kind of thing. When yeah. I had my grand rewatch of mm. Doctor Who a few years ago, I had this little list of um, creatures 
that the Doctor has killed who are just trying to survive, and that includes like the Daleks and the Dead Planet and stuff like that. And the Macro was the one on the list because basically they they are just trying to survive. They need this gas to survive. And yeah. the Doctor's actions, without any sort of like recourse to talking to them, he's just slaughtering them. So he's basically committed genocide at the end of the story, and um, that's seen as acceptable. I think there's a couple of points there. I don't know if um, do you read the Doctor Who magazine, John? No. I, I have done until quite recently. Um, it, it, it's a thing that has taken a bit of a backseat at the moment whilst I, um, whilst I spend money on other things. So, yeah, I, I've missed the last couple, so I missed Spat. Um, but, yeah, I've had, had a pretty good run at it. There's, um, there's a new feature called The Blogs of Doom, uh, which uh, Jonathan Morris writes, who's oh, he's good. a very funny writer. He's, he's funny on Twitter. Obviously. He writes a lot of big finish and, <clears throat> and novels and stuff like that. So the blogs of Doom are, he takes a character from a, a, a Doctor Who story and it's as though he's blogging about the events. Uh, and obviously the thing he's picked up from in the Macra Terror is that everybody knows the name Macra, even though everybody's denying that they exist. <clears throat> so, and he created this scene where um, Medoc first starts talking about um, the what he's seen. So he picks up on, on two things. The fact that people interchangeably describe them as insects and crabs and germs. Oh, flip the yeah. deck. So he says, insect. Well, what sort of insect is it? <clears throat> is it like a spider? Uh, no, no, no. You know, is, it, is it like a, a giant woodlouse? No, no. It's, it's like more like a crab. It's like, well, so, so not like an insect. And you've gone around the houses every day. You can just say, like, uh, and then it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like an insect with four legs. Yeah. It's really tall. <laughs> A massive, enormous neck, and it eats the leaves from the top of the trees. Um, <laughs> it's a giraffe. Yeah, the, the, the taxonomy is all over the shop, isn't it? They are insects, germs, parasites, a disease, bacteria, <clears throat> and then insects again. Um, and I think, was not one of the title something to do with spiders? Yeah, this, <laughs> is it. This, uh, this is the background to this is, the script was originally going to be Doctor Who and the Spider-Men. And they uh-huh. were going to be giant spiders, <laughs> and then the script, the, the title got changed to the Insect Men, and they're going to be giant insects. And then somebody realised that they'd only made uh, the Web Planet two years before. Oh my God! Was it only two years previously? And uh, and they they might be in danger of repeating themselves. <laughs> which uh, you, do you think they wouldn't be that concerned about in those days when you know there weren't no, the repeats no. and there weren't there weren't um, Blu-rays and videos and stuff like that? And but, five Dalek stories down as well, so they weren't that bothered. Yeah, <laughs> so they they knocked the Spider Men and the Insect Men on the head and changed the giant crabs. But then apparently the the script revisions um, weren't thorough enough to remove all references to insects, um, and that's that's why. So according to the complete history, of this is anyway. There's, a, there's another. I don't know how true to the telly snaps this is, or if it's just a little um, a sort of grace note in the animation. But the, the the tunnel after you know when Jamie's sort of skulking down the tunnels a bit, they're full of spider webs. You know, oh, come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think to go back to the other point is how sentient are the macra? I think it's unclear for well, some by chatting, don't they? I mean, well, at least yeah. one of them is broadcast quality. This this is the thing that I think was <laughs> unclear when I listened to the story before, and and still not one hundred percent shown after the animation is: is there one macra that's got excellent diction and and speaks <laughs> very beautifully and is the voice of the controller, <laughs> or? Is that macro with its claws typing in into a sort of like a Professor Hawkins style thing, which then broadcasts the voice? 
But then when the voice gets really hysterical and goes, no, there's no such thing as macro, you think, is that an effect that it puts on? Or is just that one macro has learned how to speak? And then the other ones, the ones that just come lumbering out of the tunnels towards Jamie and Ben and Polly can't speak. Um, so they're just sort of trying to communicate with their, like, semaphore or something with their claws. Maybe they flash their eyes. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah it's, it's kind of unclear how sentient they are I think the animation makes them seem more sentient because they're sort of carrying cables yeah along one's and... moving a little pipe another one's oh, back so, control the, yeah the lovely bit at the end where they're all in the got to the end already did you mean to do that the lovely <laughs> bit at the end where they're all, they're all seems typing which is really quite impressive <laughs> And that's the only one that moves sideways, isn't it? The one that's carrying the camera. I know. Yeah, I was really quite surprised they were all sort of, I mean, that's sort of spider-like as well, moving forward rather than sideways, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I think that, that one's possibly drunk. But in the original <laughs> version, the, um, the, there's just one and it, at the end, and it's been painted white. So whether it's just the white one that can speak rather than the regular ones who can't. Mm. So whether it was just like, as you say, it's like the, the master crab at the end. Yeah, because they repainted it all like the boss, but that's because they only built one. Yeah, so um, and it apparently costs the same as a small car. Oh, it's a Mini Cooper. It costs the same. As. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the. That's and Fraser Hines on the commentary said people literally have to throw themselves onto it just to get captured. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fraser Hines very much, but I, I, I'm aware that quite a lot of the lore from the Patrick Trout era comes through the medium of Fraser Hines and I wonder how sort of objectively true it actually is and how much of it is interpretative well this commentary doesn't really list of people he dated during the production so, <laughs> <laughs> at least two people uh. I saw, the, um, the, have you watched sorry they're getting onto the extras now but did you watch the Shawcraft uh, footage I did. Shawcraft models yeah there's a lovely bit where it says oh and they did um you know, the scale modelled prototypes for uh, car manufacturers and they show what is clearly a model prototype for, you know, a Ford car. And it's the fucking Ford Corsair. And I was like, well, that is a Doctor Who reference right there. And no, <laughs> nobody's making it. It's ridiculous. Sorry, I swore again. Did you have a tattoo? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's a lovely little snake. Aww. Speaking of models, you're a subscriber to the Doctor Who figurine collection, but you're saying they, they haven't attempted a macro yet? No, 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 I'm not, no. <laughs> well, to be fair, you could just go to a fishmonger, couldn't you? You don't really need to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was, your question, what was your actual question, Mark? Uh, you were saying they haven't attempted a macro. I don't believe they've done a macro. It's difficult to tell. There's 4,000 of them now. <laughs> barely get into really get into my flat i was like there's a i feel like there's a line i've crossed and i would now make an interesting e4 documentary <laughs> um it's just like after after my death uh, when my corpse is finally found uh, under the big mound of collapsed figurines yeah no as, as far as i know uh, i don't remember a macro but they're, they're quite um certainly latterly uh they're, they're pretty they're pretty accurate you know and i don't think there'd be enough source material for them to get a, like a properly decent macro but I could be wrong they might the, the next lot might be a macro who you knows mainly see them from the front don't you because they were sort of well, they pulled around yeah. on the back of a flatbed oh, truck basically, basically. Yeah. yeah I've got a good Zarbi though oh nice I've had to yeah isn't it I might treat myself to a war machine oh <gasps> the war machines are lovely <laughs> it's another it's, an, it's another what's the name what's the name what's he called Ian Andrew Stewart Black 
Ian Stewart. I got confused. I had a quick look in the discontinuity guide um, just to see what they were saying about it. And one of their influences that they cite, they say, oh, yeah, um, big influence on this was the Avengers episode, The Masterminds, which is a nice, it's an early season four one, so it's black and white, but it's Steve and Mrs. Peel. So I'll just check that out to have a look at it. And I looked at it and thought, oh, bloody hell, it's the same writer. But it isn't. It's Robert Banks Stewart, who is different from Ian Stewart Black. It's the Zygon. I, yeah. Oh, it's confusing. He did. He did do the Zygons. You're right. So I, I don't know now why the Discontinuity Guide guys think that the Masterminds is an influence on the Macra Terra. Because it hasn't got spiders or insects or germs or bacteria or diseases or scorpions or any of the other things. It does have a little bit of mind control, so that might be it. But I did slightly wonder if they'd made the same error I had. Yeah. They, could, they wouldn't. Nah, they yeah. wouldn't have done. Wouldn't the writer done. was a friend, though, of Patrick McGowan, apparently, and they, he'd already done something called um, Colony 3, which was an episode of Danger Man, which was basically set in this sort of, like, um, British town, which is sort of, like, in Russia, which is sort of, like, got surveillance everywhere. And then, of course, they went on to do The Prisoner, and they would have discussed that. So <laughs> it was obviously <laughs> in zeitgeist oh, at the time, not- yeah. No new players under the sun, is there? Somebody pointed this out to me just recently, and I can't believe I had not noticed it, but in 1967, your three massive genre TV heroes, so that's Doctor Who, Number Six, and uh, John Steed, were all played by fellas called Patrick. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Mm, Yeah, something exactly that. Three Patrick's anniversary special. Who was your Patrick? Big finish on the (laughs) LA right as we speak, yeah. (laughs) Fraser Hines playing all three. So what did we think of the the animation here? I think it's probably the best one so far for my money. Yes. I don't know. I've got got whatever the visual equivalent of a tin ear is. (laughs) To, to animation as I watch it and I go yep that's that's animated those are definitely moving certainly there's um, aspects of it were utterly beautiful I, I loved that see the very opening shot of the TARDIS in just orbit, in space yeah, yeah that was gorgeous I, I loved that I loved the way they rendered the macro mm-hmm. um, and I, I love the macro point of view shot with like the uh, oh. Like the little pixelated picture with all the uh, it was like, like kaleidoscope robot. was yeah. amazing, wasn't it? I love that. It was a bit like robot, wasn't it? The K one uh, a little bit. Then. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we've got a long way since Invasion, which I seem to remember was like like Captain Pugwash esque. You know, <laughs> sort of characters looming in from the side. But then every once in a while, some of it was like really. There's a bit right at the right at the beginning, or fairly near the beginning of Episode One, um, where uh, Barney Barney's having a little dance. And you, you look at him and go, what, what are you doing? It's, it's like um, yeah, sort of yellow submarine dance. It's just sort of moving backwards and forwards. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if that's a clever tribute or not. And when it's really nice. Was, um, when Meadow was exploring the tunnels before he got killed, he looks like he's dancing then. He looks like a dancing Thunderbird puppet. Even <laughs> I thought, that was one moment I thought, oh, that's not so brilliant. If you watch uh, it again, he's literally walking. His hands are bouncing as he's going. And then he gets grabbed by the macros. Not the sentence you get to say every day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's super good, and it, you know, it, it, you just um, ah, you, you review what you've got in front of you, don't you? Mm-hmm. And it's um, 
if, if we're not getting the live action thing back, then yes, as, as an alternative, this is absolutely beautiful. I was a bit kind of sad that there, there were some, the, the things leaders are a missing chunk from episode one. Yeah, there's a few um, bits missing, yeah. There's a bit at the, the end as well, yeah. The, the, yeah, the bit at the end, which is a, a joke where they, they have the payoff to the um, the build up to it, but they don't have the payoff. And then so there's a peculiar bit in the middle as well with the sleeping arrangements. Where the same bit of animation. Your, 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 yeah, should be your, your, your companions are, are in their rooms, and you go, well, they're not because they're all just in one room. And then mm. the, there's a bit later on where Patrick Troughton. The, the, the doctor is, is talking to Polly. He says, "Oh, what about Ben and Jamie?" And you are literally oh, yeah, <laughs> in the next bed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's funny. I wasn't quite sure what had happened there. Uh, yeah, Things basically. To be, it's, I mean, they said in the uh, magazine, it's down to budget, isn't it? That they simply could not afford to do it. I suppose making people. If you noticed when dance is, uh, Jamie's doing his um, Highland dance, you don't see his legs; you just see his arm, mm. and him bouncing up and down. I think. That kind of amount of animation is going to be too expensive for them to do for that last bit. Yeah, but it, it, it's a shame that they, they cut the bit out at the end because it, it does end. Uh, episode four ends rather abruptly. Yeah, it I think you know, it all, yeah. going by going by the audio, it's that whole kind of ah, you're going to be the pilot, and we're all being dragged, we're all being dragged into joining the colony, um, and there's this whole oh, we have to get out of here, but how? And then I think, you know, on the audio says that they do the Highland fling out the door again. And you go, I saw the setup to that. That's a big payoff. Whereas we just leave them sitting there, discuss where presumably they still are. Uh, Still stuck in that colony. Every year, another dance (laughs) competition comes around. (laughs) We go, oh, yeah. The sad thing is, both scenes are the uh, doctor's individuality as well. Like the first Mm -hmm. scene with the Rumble Tumble machine, that's basically improving he's an individual, which is counter to the colony and at the end he's, he's showing he's not become the pilot because he's an individual he's an individual it's going to dance out so both of those scenes are sort of like to the detriment of the doctor being missing yeah yeah i think um plus if you watch all the dvds in order ben and polly just then disappear so it does look like they have been left behind yeah <laughs> the uh yeah because the, the bit where they they smarten the doctor up and then he gets in the the, the rough and tumble sort of muscle tone machine um i think that for me was the most memorable part of the story from listening to it when I was younger and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. you say, it, it does show his kind of lack of conformity, doesn't it? And the, uh, like you say, his individuality. It's but, also a shame you're not seeing the colony as quite a nice place before it turns quite grim. Because really, you've just seen, mm. like, me dog being um, unhappy. You're not seeing, like, the colonists enjoying themselves before it, um, the doctor starts going back to me dog again. Mm. Yeah, Missing all these shots of Ben with his top off. I know, which I think is a greatly missing thing. Plus, um, uh, we don't get to see Jamie in his shorts either, because apparently he got changed in the actual story, and he's running around in Bermuda shorts as well, whereas actually, in this he's got his kilt on. But I think that works better, because it shows he's not he's not conformed either. It's, sort of, it's a better visual representation yeah. Jamie, uh, that uh, Ben has joined the colony, so to speak, the fact he's dressing like them. No, very disappointed. I, I like Ben, and I, I'm very yeah. pleased. He's gone the cap. He's gone the Captain Yates route, hasn't he? <laughs> I said, whereas Captain Yates had to go away and was never allowed to come back ever again until the Nest Chronicles. Uh, ben was just like, "Oh, I got better." And it's like, "All right, fair enough. You're fine." Yeah. Oh, I got the new uh, Nest Chronicle today as well. By the way, that was uh, very good. Is there a new one? The Winter Coven. Yes, excellent. Oh, I didn't. The Avengers oh. are still making them. Just narrated by Mrs. Wibsey, but uh, ah, right. still good fun. Okay. 
I have. Have they ever tried anchoring those to continuity? Because I've got a little just headcanon thing going on that it's not actually the fourth Doctor, but it's a sort of the great curator, uh, maybe just before um, the day of the Doctor. Maybe uh, after, who knows? Yeah, it's got to be yeah. after Image of the Fendor, because he, he mentions that in one of them. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it's, it's not the fourth Doctor at all. It's the nth Doctor from when he's going back revisiting a few favourites. Ah, ah right. I was thinking that my favourite fourth Doctor audio is actually they've got a sense of fun that the uh, big finish wants to uh, exclude. Really, the, ne- mm. the, the Nest Chronicles are fantastic. Yeah, I, do, I, I think they're my favourite uh, fourth Doctor audios by yeah. way. Yeah, you're in safe hands with Paul Mars. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, was, that to, a, was that a satisfactory answer to your question about how we liked the animation, Mark? <laughs> Big question. Did you watch colour first or did you watch black and white first, chaps? Colour. Black and white. Ooh. Ooh. What about you? I watched colour first. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I was, I was, I was literally exactly ashamed of myself as I was doing it, but I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> I found the black and white a bit foggy, actually. They've obviously just killed the colour on it. And... Especially the scenes where there's like there's the the, the gases leaking out of that. I find it a bit tricky to see some of it. Yeah, I'm not saying I made the right decision. Um, it, was, it was a sort of purist thing. Also, it, it leaves you with the sense that there's not really terribly many extras because um, the extras kind of they're, they're, they're tightly bundled on the disc one, the color version. Mm. Um, the black and white version has very little on it. Ah, the DVD is slightly different. Yeah. You got the um, I think the, the the extras are split over the discs more. So you've got the first two episodes of the reconstruction on one disc. You've got the, you know, the remaining two on the other disc. I think the short uh, on one. Um, have you got the, the Colin Baker narrations the on one? So have you got the commentaries on both of them? So yeah, I think the they're just on, on the color. Color fiction. Yeah, the commentaries just on color. Yeah, because the other extra we've got is the little kind of sample of the wheel in space. Which looks very nice. Yes. Uh, So have they stopped doing that then, or are they going to finish it? Do you reckon? I think I think it'll be the next one. Uh, To to get that far, they obviously sort of modelled the the servo robot and the Mm. uh, and the wheel and everything. And uh, when you follow the criteria, they need a reasonably bland background and a limited number of characters, don't they? Yeah. So, whereas the historical stories, apparently, they'd really struggle with because of all the the actual detail they would need to animate. Mm. Have in so, somebody wanting the Highlander soon might be disappointed. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting uh, thing in, um, in the Doctor Who magazine about this one. They said that um, this one had uh, was it um, four times the, the budget of Power of the Daleks and, mm-hmm. and twice as long to work on it. So it kind of made me think, did Power of the Daleks then sell so well, or Shada and that sell so well, that they're now being allocated a bigger budget? So maybe that's quite promising for future releases. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's shorter than Power of the Daleks, isn't it? It's two episodes shorter. Um, and it's got yeah. four times the budget, so it's going to work out even and more. And yet they still couldn't it? complete it, which is the strange thing with all that extra. Those yeah. had to remain missing. It just goes to show the um, even having an, an increased budget, it still shows the, the limitations they're working under. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot, a lot of cut corners. I mean, so, some of it I, I don't get at all. There's um, the, the Rob... Is it Rob Ritchie, Robert Ritchie, somebody like that? It's um, 
animator on it who posted on Twitter what should have been the menu screen, which is basically everything we've got except it's animated. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of the lights are flashed on and off, which makes sense of the noise. And you go, why, why have they not done that? Is it, you know, is that a budgetary thing? How would that have cost more? Because, yeah. you know, it's already animated. Surely it just needed including. Maybe just as prosaic as they forgot. Well, you know, having been um, a victim of that Series 12 debacle, uh, of having to send my discs back and getting replacement discs, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I never did that, you know. <laughs> I just kept the ones I got. <laughs> cool. I, well, I kept the ones I got, obviously. They're, they're part of the archive. But yeah, no, I, I got them replaced. Oh, so you don't post the old ones off? I never got Season 12. Um, but no. when, um, did you, oh, did you know you very rarely mention that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> what I would say to you is what it's I always the, say: don't worry, they'll redo it. The, It'll be like the Keep Time box set of DVDs that uh, mine had a number on it. Oh yes, and I yeah. thought, better get that, and then they just redid it. They'll redo it. There's a yeah. huge demand for it. <laughs> I hope so. That's this is why I keep mentioning it in the hope that somebody, uh, somebody at um, BBC Worldwide or whatever it's called now, um, will uh, <laughs> whatever it's been called this week, will hear my <laughs> plaintive. Uh, it's like, well, that guy on the podcast has said it over a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the pain is still very, uh, very raw, very fresh. Fortunately, I'm worried that the wheel in space will always be the um, the target book I never got. The dying days of the Virgin New Adventure I never got, and season twelve with the Blu-ray that I never got. There'll always be one gap <laughs> in every uh, every shelf. <laughs> the McManus incompleteness theorem. Yeah, yeah. But the quest so, is because, the quest. It keeps yeah. you alive. Looking. <laughs> and exactly the point I was going to make. What is the point of a complete collection, Mark? What? What? You, what how? How do you carry on once you've finished everything? Once I got and my last it. Target book, a little bit of me died. I know that. <laughs> Well, because even the complete history is now finished, but we've had an entire another series of Geordie Whittaker, which uh, which is undocumented. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I will never ever have a complete figurines collection because <laughs> it'll never finish. Because you just won't live long enough. <laughs> they'll um, eventually they'll they'll get to the pilot and the like, doc and like Rick Beck at the end of Blade Runner. Now Keith is going to say, "Yeah, we don't know how long we've got." But then again, who does? <laughs> Well, somebody said something really sobering the other week that um, if you were alive and of sort of like a reasonable age to have seen every episode of Doctor Who from the very beginning, it's now making you quite elderly. So ultimately, in like 20 years' time, there'll be nobody left to have seen all the original episodes. You think, oh my goodness, that was quite. Mm. quite eventually, it'll all be hearsay and animations if it doesn't exist. Mm. Mm. Or just just like yeah. spoken word, you yeah. know. People just just uh, just carry when um, when civilization collapses. People will just uh, it'll be an oral tradition, won't it? Of, uh, just uh, <laughs> telling people the <laughs> Macro Terror. <laughs> That's why I want to complete sort of books so when the electric goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I I'm very much a physical format person, mm. uh, and partly that is because I'm a very old man, but also it's because I do feel at some point servers will fail. And the connections will collapse, and I will still not have anything to play them on. But I will still have my shiny discs. 
until there's an online book company that's going uh, bust now, isn't it? Which means if you bought books of them, you're going to lose your entire collection. You're going to get your money back. But yeah. Everything you thought yeah. you well, owned, the, you don't. They're just going to disappear. The, the, this is what happened with the BBC store, isn't it? I mean, they, yes, you know, they gave my colour my money dollars. back. <laughs> don't, I don't have the content anymore. Yeah. They, they gave you a refund, though, didn't you, the BBC store, which I was totally not expecting. That was... Um, got the refund, yeah. but you couldn't buy a download of the colour Power of the Daleks, which I had. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, and, do you know how cross I would be if somebody came in, grabbed my season twelve Blu-rays of Doctor Who, which I have, <laughs> put them through a shredder, and then gave me thirty-nine ninety-nine. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can imagine that would. Uh, that a vision of Mark with a bag of swag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be shredding it though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and there's the thing about your sort of um, your, your iTunes collections and your Kindles that you never actually you don't own them in the sense that you can bequeath them, can you? They, uh, you know, you can't sort of if you've got like a, a massive iTunes music collection or whatever, you can't then pass it on to the next generation. It just yeah. Do you know, do you know how I found this out? Which when Bruce Willis made his will. Right. Uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis's will. I would imagine that. That's when I first became aware. That um, he because he, he, he made a big fuss at the time because he couldn't pass on his great big iTunes library to his daughter's pineapple and hat stand or whatever they're called, um, and he was outraged and so was mm. I. But now it's just the normal way. You don't you don't seem to own things anymore. Mm. Could you just not give them the password? Well, it's a thought, isn't it? I, d I don't know. I suppose, it c can you carry on pretending to be somebody? The, the iTunes terms and conditions, I mean, obviously I read them uh, every time they, up they update it, and I, and I tick the little box that says I've definitely read them. Um, I, I, would, I would imagine there's something on page 712 of those that says you can't carry on being pretending to be somebody that you're not. Maybe not, I don't know. I mean, I suppose we could get away with it, but it, it will be quite highly publicised when Bruce Willis dies. So his daughter's... Might, <laughs> might not... Maybe some, somebody iTunes whose job it is to keep an eye on dead celebrities yeah. and just go and delete their archive. It's like, well, we've, we've mourned for two minutes and now it's time to press delete. Are you sure? Yes. There you go. What's that done? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, <clears throat> we were talking about uh, Ben earlier, um, about him being uh, lovely, being, lovely men. being taken men. over, um, and I think it's quite disturbing the way that happens. I think it's not not as straightforward as possession. Um, no, like you get he stops. He stops being Cockney, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's still sort of. He knows what's going on. He's still aware that he arrived with the Doctor and everything like that, and it's. Uh, do you think the implication is that because of his military background, he's sort of susceptible to being taken over more quickly, yeah, taking orders and, and kind of towing the line? Or well, that's that's a very good reading. Um, I don't know that that's implicit in the text, but I like it. It's, it's the it's only a, one that makes sense now. They're all in the same room together as well. Because prior to that, Polly was sort of like got up by the doctor first, and so she was taken away from it, and Ben and uh, Jamie had probably and fallen asleep. Jamie's just so now they're all in together, stupid. it makes no, sense. Um, Jamie doesn't sleep, does he? Yeah. He's, he? He has a disturbed night's sleep, so he doesn't get the that sort of deep brain yeah. implant thing. Too busy Ironically, you can hear the spooky voices. 
He's too busy tossing restlessly. <laughs> Which, um, <laughs> I think I have the horrible feeling because I, I have it's, it's something of an ear for Dublin. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of stuff about Jamie working a shaft at some point in one of, <laughs> one of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder, mind the uh, I, I think the, the the doctor's reaction to the Ben was quite interesting as well. Um, the way he just sort of says. He's just kind of a little bit kind of uh, blamed. It seems like he blames Ben a little bit for being taken over. And then he sort of says, well, if Jamie catches you spying on him, mm. uh, basically he'll beat you up. And, and the doctor seems kind of fine with that. Um, so I know it's not easy for you, though, doesn't he? Later when he's sort of spying on him. Yeah. Says, uh, hello, Ben. I know it's not easy for him, like betraying your friends and things. So, but he does yeah. seem a bit cool on it. Yeah. But then Jamie There's isn't even angry, is he? He's just he's just disappointed. Which is worse. Oh no, but, but, but doesn't Jamie call him a traitor at yeah. some point? Yeah. Which is it's quite inflammatory even by today's standards. Mm. No, I think I think Jamie's a bit um So was this actually know. written for them then? Because he doesn't get have that feeling of like um Jamie sharing Ben's lines in this, because they've all got actually got something to do, haven't they? So, uh, like in the moon base. So unless prior to that, it was, <coughs> Ben was taken over again and Polly did all uh, Jamie's stuff, maybe. But it doesn't. It doesn't have that feeling of um, divided lines this time. They've all actually sort of like got purpose in this, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just yeah. I mean, they, definitely they do. They're distinct characters. I'm, I'm not sure Polly has much purpose. They, it's, it's a shame. I, I, well, apart from yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I did write something down in my copious notes, but I can't be bothered to look at it. But yeah, I, I did feel Polly was a little bit kind of, it's not much for her to do. Maybe she, I did that that, but maybe she did Jamie's role, because, I mean, exploring the caves in the dark and stuff is very much sort of like the uh, female companion in peril mode, uh, mode isn't it? So maybe yeah. maybe that was her role and um, Jamie Nichols. Yeah, there's the, the slightly slightly time filling, running away and hiding from Ben sequence as well, but none of it's sort of proper agentic stuff, you know, where she actually has a purpose. But I guess mm. kind of standard, isn't it? Standard for the time. This is um, say I don't really know the Troughton era that well, and it you know it's it's very highly regarded by people whose opinions I respect very much. And it seems to be one of the, you know, Patrick Troughton's Doctor seems to be one of those kind of go-to um, characterizations, like Matt Smith site, you know, when he mm. got his crash course in Doctor Who, it was Patrick Troughton that he seemed to be particularly exercised by. But I don't, okay, because I, I like William Hartnell, I'm a massive John Pertwee fan, mm. um, but there's, there's, there's something that ever so slightly off about the Patrick Troughton era for me, and I've never been quite able to put my finger on it apart from to to suggest that it's might is it a bit blokey in a way that it wasn't before and it wasn't subsequently it's pretty it's probably blokey than you got with Hartnell and Purvis isn't it I suppose they're, they're it's like a little yeah it's a little three year period of not really being very woke but I don't know if I'm just missing a lot it's, you know it seems to me that whereas you know I mean not arguably all of the, the William Hartnell Companions, but they definitely started out strong. You know, Barbara, you know, is still just a brilliant character, and there were strong women right the way through that. And in in a way that I don't really sense there were in Second Doctor era. I've never thought of it as bloke. I've always thought of it more of it's more like um, whereas 
in the original TARDIS, it was like adults were travelling with a doctor. It always feels more like a parent and child relationship. Like Jamie and Victoria or Zoe always seem to be like the kids and the doctor's the parent. Uh, so yeah. it's never struck me as blokies, always struck me as more sort of um, parental. Yeah, I, I tell you, I think what I'm doing is just muddling up the fact that mo- mostly what I my information has come from sort of actors reminiscing about their time, what a laugh it was, and it sounds it seems to have been just a really happy experience. Fun days with like all of all of the stories seem to involve women's underwear at some point yeah. or other, and it just you know it's got that. It's like I don't know. I, I, I think it. I think it is just me. I've not quite got into it yet, but you know my my relationship with kind of aspects of Doctor Who shifts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very big performance from Trout, though. It's not what you would call subtle. And I wonder if maybe in later years, if it had been seen, it would have been considered over the top. But for some reason, I don't know because it's, the stories is in or just because he's such a good actor, it works for some reason. But I've always thought if you would took that out of context and like put it in something else, it would be ridiculously over the top sometimes with his facial mannerisms and the way he behaves. It's not subtle in any way, but for some reason he just gets away with it. Yeah. You're saying about the sort of parent-child thing there. It's interesting, this one, uh, when Jamie calls the Doctor an old man, he says, you can't send an old man down the mines. And the Doctor's like, well, I'm not, I'm not that old. But I guess probably the time that Jamie's from, the life expectancy would have been significantly lower than it is now. And uh, probably a guy... Well, maybe the writer 50, just forgot yeah. he wasn't writing for Hartman. Maybe just... <laughs> Yeah, he was yeah, confusion confusion over crabs yeah. and spiders. Maybe he was getting confused yeah. over his actors as well. <laughs> so you just you just reminded me there, Mark. Is that bit you know where the, the, the establishing stuff in the first episode? I just go, where are we? When are we? And Doctor Who says, says somewhat unhelpfully, "We're in the future." Yeah. You go like seventeen sixty. It's not. It's not. Um, that doesn't narrow it down particularly. Yeah. <laughs> They definitely had a thing about colonies at the time, though, didn't they? Because there's only like a few stories since they had one human colony. So it was obviously uh, in the yeah. Like, so I, how uh, does how does this colony work, right? Because I was assuming is is this the only one on the planet? Because there's a bit right at the beginning. I think it's where they they, they sort of catch Medoc. Jamie hits Medoc with his mm. big stick or whatever happens, um, and Ola turns up. Uh, and clocks these strangers, and the first thing he says is, "Oh, you, you know, something like I, were, I wasn't told you'd be travelling through our territory." So he goes, "What's going on on this planet then?" Yeah, you wonder if the other colonies have macro as well, or growing food, because yeah. nobody else seems to be doing it. Because it's a totally barren um, landscape outside the city, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. and they've been there for centuries. So unless they're eating mm. gas as well. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah, a bit of a change as well. It said on the um, reconstruction that Medoc lunges for Jamie, whereas on the animation, it, it really just looks like Ben sort of like tackles him for no readily apparent reason. Really. So, <laughs> it's, uh, Doesn't like yeah, his haircut. It's, it's, yeah. Ben it's in the, the reconstruction is more sympathetic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's unclear if the Doctor's liberated one colony of Macra, but there's uh, there's hundreds of others dotted over this planet where. The people Including still. the one on new, 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 new Earth. Yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing to say it isn't the same place. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It's a good point. Mm. Because it's an, it's, this planet is never named, is it? Um, so it could it could well be New Earth. Um, oh, no. What if it turns out to be Mondas? Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> 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 Cyber crabs, you know. 
Yeah, we've had the, the cyber shades and the cyber mats and stuff. Cyber Why you are not working for Big Finish defeats me, Keith. These are brilliant ideas. <laughs> cyber insects. Cyber germs. Also, I got to... Uh, I'm, I'm now looking because I I, I I was checking that Ola thing just to see if I got it wrong. My notes. This the bit from series one because they they've seen from the time what's it the time scanner or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, a big claw. I mean, you don't know how far how far in the future that's supposed to be, but they assume it's like imminent. Mm. Um, and they go, oh, what if there's the big monsters there? And the doctor says something like, um, that they're so big. They're going to see us ages before yeah. we see them. Is yeah. that how that works? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah. So, well, it's mockery of Land of the Giants, if that's <laughs> the case, yeah. And it's the, the, the other line that the Doctor has that doesn't really make any sense is when uh, the pilot brings Medoc in and the Doctor goes, and having already allied himself with Medoc, the Doctor then says, well, don't listen to what anything Medoc says. He's crazy. <laughs> I don't think he realised he was going to give him an alibi, though, did he, at that point? So, well, I think yeah. they kind of tacitly agreed that the, the Doctor just released him from prison. Uh, he's the only other person that's seen Macra. Um, yeah, it's weird. That oh, no, I, I'm, I'm going to take issue with you there because there is some graffiti in the prison. I was um, just, just because I thought, you know, the, the animators... If they've put something in the background, they've done it specifically. There's graffiti on the prison walls, one bit of which says, E. McGrath saw them. Ooh. Ah. Yeah. Another one says, do not trust the controller. And a third one says, C. patient is innocent. Christ knows what that's about. But I also liked, there's a bit, <laughs> they've walked past a notice board, which doesn't have to be there, right? The animators have specifically put this notice board there. Um, and on it, I think pretty much the only sign I can remember says, uh, quiz night tonight. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what questions yeah. can you possibly ask? Question, are there such things as macro? <laughs> <laughs> what does everyone call Barney? <laughs> Good old Barney. That's what everyone calls Barney. Define a germ. I quite like it. To... <laughs> How many legs has a bacterium? <laughs> I quite like that the guy that's in charge of the, the mines is called Officia. Yes. <laughs> sort of... that, that is Route 1, yeah. the Terry Nation naming, isn't it? Well, yeah. I've got an official. So is, it, is he quite officious? Oh, he is quite yeah. officious, this official. Yeah. What will we call him? Officia? Yeah. See, I, I never realised that because, you know, having only heard it as an audio, I just assumed it was – I didn't realise it was just the word official with the L taken at the end. <laughs> It's nominative, uh, nominative determinism, isn't it? Which is, yeah. When you do your job after your name, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, the time scanner's an odd one, isn't it? It's like the uh, the the chase. They've, you've got the, the time space visualizer. It's just kind of a thing that's used once. Is particularly it's useful. Useful be better that in a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because if you can add kind of a hint about what you're gonna what you're gonna meet every before you land somewhere, it would be be very very useful. Quite good for viewing figures as well, which is probably why they did it. But yeah. I mean, the Doctor, you know, presumably that's why he goes to free Medoc and stuff because he's talking about monsters and they know that there's going to be a there's going to be crab monsters in uh, in this story because they've seen the claw. And presumably, yeah. they, they, didn't they, they used to do it in Space 1999? Wasn't there a bit like in the credits with go on tonight's episode? You go, well, that could just as well have been Commander well, Kern yeah. <laughs> looking into a time scanner. Before. It looks bad for us. And they'll lose another three eagles. That'll be 17 this week. 
they're re-showing that on um, um, Forces TV at the moment. I'm actually re-watching them. Nothing I love it. Like what, which, which series? I love it. It's mad, but I love it. It's really on season one at the minute. It'll soon be season, um, season two soon. Excellent. I've never seen that. Beautiful. Never ever in the history of television has there been a gulf so vast between the absolute beauty of the quality and the beauty of the content and the utter inanity of the writing. It's just like, but it's gorgeous. It's lovely to look at. I mean, the special effects are just just stunning. Have you seen the? Have you seen any of it on Blu-ray, Keith? No, no. Oh, it's amazing. It just spiffs up beautifully. But the stories are just like, what's going on? They write themselves into a corner and they just go, no, can't think of a way out of this. And should we blame God? Yeah, it's, it, was, it was Space God. Yes, Space God this week. Yes, it's his fault. And just move on to the next story, yeah. But I was thinking oh, with the uh, time scanner, because I, I suppose the audiences didn't know then there wasn't going to be like historical story next week there because they hadn't quite changed the... Um, the, uh, the way the show was um, being oh, they were yeah. used to doing sort of like science fiction history weren't they mm. and they hadn't quite changed the um, the format enough then for people to realise it wasn't going to be like a, a historical one next or maybe they were just showing the uh, the claw just to suggest that uh, oh it's not going to be boring history next week it's going to be monsters again look 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 and maybe that was the <laughs> idea just to uh, keep the audiences involved do you think people tune, uh, didn't tune in for four weeks <laughs> when they, was, they thought it was going to be a historical and then came I'm back <laughs> It's like the early trick with Marco Polo, isn't it? Where you go and go, flipping heck. See how I didn't swear there. <laughs> flipping heck, a great big enormous footprint. So you go, wow, that'll be amazing. It's like, ah, oh, it's just history. Mm. It's melting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We've got seven weeks of this. Oh, look, condensation. That's fascinating for an episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. There's uh, when, when the Omni rumour comes true and all of the things come back, I think we're going to be surprised at the things that we like and the things that we don't like. And it's going to be the, you know, like the enemy of the world being mm. so much more amazing than anyone gave it credit for. And I think everyone's just going to love the space pirates. I think that's, that's going to be the major moment for everybody. Yeah, I don't mind the space pirates. I listened to that a couple of times. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's as bad as people say. Yeah. It's got Jack, Jack May in it. And Jack May is phenomenal in everything. He was um, the Nelson, yes. oh, Nelson the for office, yeah. years and years and years. And he's in, um, he's, he's Adam Adamant's valet as well in Adam Adamant Lives. He's just terrific. That lovely moment. And as all paid Mrs. Andrews was back his, um, the money that uh, Kenton had conned out of it. Oh, I love that moment. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. humanity of, uh, of the archers in that I moment. know. It was lovely, wasn't it? Lizzie and Nigel in Nelson's wine bar forever. Oh. That's what I want. Now all did. I'm miserable. And uh, so, I what I'm very keen on because sorry, Mark, are you a massive fan of the Archers? I, no, I've never heard the Archers. I'm afraid. You see, this is ridiculous. I, you know, when Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss used to refer to the like the three main things, and it was always like Doctor Who, James Bond, and Sherlock Holmes, and I was always going and the Archers. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> they never got around to their big budget sort of reimagining of the arches but there's so much Doctor Who stuff going on in it Mark you're missing a thing right. and I think um, I, I think that Slitheen lady um, oh god what's she called Margaret uh, Badland yes Margaret Badland no Annette Badland sorry, Annette Badland right. yeah she's Margaret Slitheen yeah that's right yeah yes yeah, so <laughs> she's um, she's an awful hazel woolly um, Jack Jack Woolley's terrible conniving daughter, and I think she's on the verge of coming back. She's been referred to a couple of times obliquely, but fortunately for us, Chunky Gilmore 
is now in permanent <laughs> residence in uh, in Ambridge, so we're kind of safe. As is the uh, chap from Black Orchid as well. Michael Cooper, oh. he's in it as well, isn't he? Excellent. But, um, yeah, but uh, uh, Giles from Buffy, what's he called? The school reunion headmaster guy. Anthony Stewart. Anthony Head. Head. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's there as well. And Davros used to be there, but we've seen him off. Yeah. The Terry Malloy. Mm. Or, um, yeah, yeah, Terry Malloy. Right. He was in it forever, though. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Archers podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I genuinely think that there would only be two people in the world who'd be interested in it, but I think that the, the, the time is right for a, a Doctor Who Archers podcast crossover. <laughs> it's, it's not, is it? It just isn't. It never will be. I'm kidding there's, myself. Sorry. <laughs> there's um, been some Doctor references on Alan Partridge last week. And, no, uh, I, I, was, was that, in fact, the podcast that Lawrence and I do. This, <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon and Lucy's Doctor Who Watch Along. That sounded perilously close to copyright yeah. infringement. Uh, I would. Uh, I had a look because uh, often uh, Alan, the, the makers of Alan Partridge do quite deep. Uh, kind of background stuff. So, like, you know, when the new series was out, every every employee of the BBC apparently got an email yes. from Alan Partridge. So I thought I, w- I wouldn't put it past them to have done a sidekick Simon Doctor Who podcast. So I had a quick <laughs> look, couldn't find one. Short story, sorry. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been good. And then uh, if you watch Derry Girls, I'm very much enjoying that that sitcom on Channel Four at the moment. They had um, this set in the '90s, and they had one of the characters going to a Doctor Who convention. Uh, this week as well. Wow, I don't even know that one. It's, uh, it's very good. I would recommend it. It's very funny. I haven't seen any of it. I don't even know why I own a television. I never, simply never watch it, except for <laughs> programs made in the seventies. <laughs> See, on the office, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I love like you said, Doctor Who, James Bond, Sherlock Holmes, there. But all the other stuff that Doctor Who fans are supposed to like, like Space Nineteen Ninety Nine and the Avengers and Sapphire and Steel and Blake Seven, never seen mm. any of them. Uh, I. I <laughs> I really like Doctor so, Who from the era. Right. So, so you <laughs> haven't seen Star Maidens, I'm assuming? No. No. Have you heard of that it's, one? I'm backing away from it. I'm backing away from it. <laughs> it's astonishingly bad. Um, it's good, but it does have Blake, episodes Blake written, written by whoever the, the guy that wrote the Macro Terror is, not Robert Lloyd's Bank. What's he called? Ian Stewart Ian Black. Stuart Black. No, yes. Ian Stewart Black, I think, wrote some episodes of Star Maidens. It's it's extraordinary. Um, it's one, it, it's like, um, I think it was like, it, 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 it's is it possibly a, a British-German <laughs> collaboration? Uh, and it, it's, it's sort of, it's a bit sort of two Ronnie's War of the Sexes kind of thing about a planet where the women are in charge and then some of their men escape to Earth or something. One of them played by uh, Blake. Yeah, uh, Blake Thomas, Right. Yeah, it's just mind-boggling, and because they were making it in 1976, I, I, this whole kind of strand of science fiction that I just feel unbearably sorry for, and it's things like the film of Logan's Run and Damnation Alley, and things like Star Maidens. You know, we're making like decent, sort of, you know, kind of kind of authentic. They really meant well. Science fiction, completely unaware. They're like little dinosaurs, unaware that the massive asteroid of Star Wars is about to hit. So, they, you know, these things suddenly look incredibly prosaic and like a, a generation out of time. So, yeah, no, I, I don't really recommend Star Maidens, unless you haven't seen it, in which case you probably should. I haven't seen it. 
But uh, yeah, no, no, actually, I can't. I can't back it up. Don't. It's a few hours of your life you never get back in the world. Watch that episode of it, but but you know, just for um, just for amusement. There's a horror value, yeah. Yeah, a big finish done a Star Maidens thing. Yeah, I'll give them a chance. Their Star Cops stuff is very good. Never seen Star Cops either. Oh, Mark, there's like nine episodes of it or something. You can do it in an evening. And three of them are quite good. <laughs> well, you're not welcome on John and Lawrence's Star Cops Watch Along then. That's a very finite podcast. <laughs> yeah, do it in an evening. Also, I don't think I would be able to get Lawrence interested in it. I really loved it when it was first on television, and I bought the DVD and I suddenly thought, oh dear. It's like something that was really, I really loved it when it was first on the telly, like when the few people actually saw it. And when I actually came to watch it again on DVD, I didn't like it at all. I don't know why what had changed. But, uh, what? Yeah, I just couldn't get into it again. It's such a shame. It's, 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 um, it's terrifically bad DVD packaging. So it comes on three DVDs, and it comes in a single DVD box with one spindle. So you just have to jam the playing surfaces against um, the top of the other disc. You know, all three are just sitting in a very tight a tight pile in the box, which I don't like at all. But no, I, I, was, I was still very fond of the program. I mean, it's massively dated, um, apart from the Nathan's... He, he's got this sort of... Um, an iPhone, basically. <laughs> artificial intelligence called yeah. box. It's like a, a little, you know, it's like a, quite a big box, like a, like an ORAC. No, you don't, you, you don't watch Blake 7, so you don't know ORAC. The central character has a box that he can just talk to, and it answers him in his own voice and it's basically it's like Siri except it works <laughs> and it saves an actor because he did it himself yes <laughs> yes the same guy did the voice for the computers the, the actor the oh. um, yeah the um, chap who's the character David, David Folder yeah it's oh, too yeah. I was quite pleased that he was still alive to do the big finish though, so that was quite nice yeah yeah no it's good it's good I love it all but I'm, I'm I'm reading the room here. Nobody, there's no Star Cops love. We, we can move on, Big Mark. No, three episodes are really good. <laughs> Which three? The ones that Graham Harper directed. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I say, I really enjoyed it. I thought more power to their elbow. Hope they do some more. I think, like, moving away from the telly snaps and doing their own version was a really good idea. I'm sorry they've, they've cut those bits out, but I would rather have it with those bits missing than not having it with every, um, completed, if that makes sense. So so let's hope they do another one next year. Yeah, I think it seems like the wheel in space is probably the most likely candidate, given they've already done some of the work. Plus he's got the Cybermen, it's Zoe's first, who's got like, lots of little selling points. Yeah, it, so. and I thought the, the servo robot looked great on it. Yeah, it looks amazing. Probably better than it did in, on the telly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's, it's certain things that look amazing animated the Daleks look brilliant mm. animated on yeah. the, the power of the Daleks yeah. the TARDIS console looks great as well animated I thought the yeah. um, the 10th planet Cybermen looked brilliant on the animation I yeah. thought they looked really effective I love, mm. I love those yeah. oh, just suddenly thinking the Who-mobile would look fantastic but we haven't lost any of those episodes so that's yeah. never going to happen unless they just insert the Who-mobile Random into old, yeah. yeah, old stories, yeah. Unless they animate sort of, uh, is the Hummerbeel in the Ghosts of End Space or? Don't what, think so. What was the other oh. one? Oh, Bessie, I think. Isn't that Paradise of Death. Oh yes. Oh maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
They could animate those, couldn't they? They're not very good, but they could animate them. They, might <laughs> <laughs> they certainly aren't. They could poke up Marco Polo, stick the human being. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was well, it can drive time. along the road and it can fly. Who's to say it can't travel in time? Yeah. We can talk about the history of assassins in the Humobile. Marvelous. Assassins? Yeah, they do the whole, like, half an episode. It's just like her talking about um, the history of assassins and Hasishnish and all this business. It's uh, uh, Zena Merton does, like, this uh, whole uh, bit of spiel and they, they just sit around watching her doing it. So I thought that's going to be <laughs> Riveting telly. <laughs> I can't, it's been a while. With, with to animate, though, you'd have thought. <laughs> yeah. There's quite a big conspiracy theory about um, Marco Polo. The, the uh, conspiracy is they have actually found it, but it's so appallingly racist that they don't release it. So, because it's <laughs> just, they anticipate so much um, flack over the yellow face, they've just buried it. Ah. Uh, In the uh, more paranoid corners of uh, fandom, that's a story that regularly appears. The, um, uh, early on, when they talked about the web of fear, Enemy of the World and, and Marco Polo, but they, were, they were all talked about together, weren't they? And obviously, two of them did appear. But I can't believe the BBC would like worry about offence of the chance of making a few bob because I mean they'd make a fortune out of it, wouldn't they? So. Yeah, again, <clears throat> the sort of the age of it, and uh, mm. Mm. I mean they um, they they they're going to release talons of Wen Chiang on Blu-ray. I would imagine in the next couple of years, aren't they? True enough, yeah. Sort of sitting on that. Oh yeah. 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 So do uh, do we know what the next Blu-ray sets are going to be? I know what I heard, but I don't know if it's Ooh. true. What did you? Or think even if heard even if you want to know. Well, maybe people don't want to know. I don't know. If you don't um, want to know, uh, look away turn now. turn the vol- <laughs> Yeah, look away now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I heard the next one is going to be series ten, uh-huh. uh, which makes sense because it's um, colourful John Pertwee one. Mm-hmm. I heard the one after that would be. Series 17, which makes no sense at all, and is going to leave me with yet another copy of Sharda. And I love Sharda, <laughs> but I, I don't need as many Shardas as I've already got, let alone another Sharda. And then I heard after that, 26? Yay. Yeah, Ooh. that would be good. And brief. Makes you wonder if it's what I heard. Doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, it's going to be quite a small little collection. It makes you wonder if we'll put all the seven Doctors together, maybe, have a big... Yeah, the seventh Doctor set because I mean, if you can do maybe they could, essentially season eighteen's got eight stories in it with K nine the company, so you could probably yeah. do the most of the uh, McCoy era in one box, couldn't you? Yeah, and to be fair, the uh, Colin Baker one as well. Yeah, or maybe they could mm. um, they, they could pad the seventh Doctor one out with that search out science and uh, dimensions and time. Dimensions, dimensions are the one they can never release, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, unless, yeah. I'd love that one. <laughs> DVD. Uh, <laughs> or the uh, well, why, why, sorry, I'm, I'm an idiot. Why can't they release it? I mean, it's awful, and I don't want to see it, and I do want to see it, and I desperately need to own it, but why can't they? It was a charity contract. Everybody agreed to do it for no fees on the... Basically, uh, yeah, basically, they'd never make any money out of it. But you'd think that, I mean, I guess probably a lot of the people involved maybe aren't with us anymore, so they can't... Just wait for everybody to die, uh-huh. then they can release it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I, I prefer to think that they're just taking their time over the 3D remastering of it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Noel Edmonds, who's quite difficult to pin down, they need to get him to to talk over his. He did. He, he did do the. Ins, it was. Was it an insert? Uh, it was. Uh, they, they broadcast it as part of Noel's house party. The uh, that's that's, what, that's yeah. the one. John Pertwee rang the doorbell and uh, and turned up and yeah. then. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Simpler times. Mm. But. Uh, yeah, I'd definitely welcome. Oh, I mean, I'd buy. I'll buy them all. But certainly, season twenty-six is one of my favourites. I would. Uh, Except twelve, of course. Yeah, you won't be I'd buying that. One. that. <laughs> I will eventually. <laughs> twelve, 
twelve. Oh, one, yeah, one, one, one came back. But one came back on Amazon for sale, and it was only three hundred quid this time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ah. So obviously, <laughs> supply is beginning to catch up with demand a bit. None, none of the others have sold out yet, have they? Like um, season nineteen uh, is um, is still readily available. It's been yeah. very cool. some of the because uh, Amazon did um, limited edition steel bucks versions of. It's weird. They didn't start with the first Capaldi season. They've done what they've done nine, ten, and eleven, and I think nine is now impossible to get hold of. That's one of those ones that turns up. If it turns up at all, it's hundreds of quid. Mm-hmm. Just for a steel box. That's a bit silly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you haven't got one, and then it's yeah. <laughs> your one focus in life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, they know how to. Uh... How to manipulate the fans, don't they? I think by uh, creating scarcity. <laughs> Do we have the little speakers above our beds that just have voices in the middle of them? Yeah. <laughs> just, just tell us to go out and buy more stuff. Yeah, I do. I have an iPhone with podcasts on it. <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, the big Finnish podcast. Yeah, so. no, all of them. I wake up and I think, well, I'll buy that. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well. Thank you very much for joining me, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. Uh, so uh, where can we find you on Twitter, uh, Keith? You're... I'm still there under 50DW50, which I did for the anniversary. It seems a long time ago now. It does. And John? I am at Feeksby, Foxtrot Echo Echo Xanadu <laughs> Bison Yeti. I don't. I, I, got, I got lost there. Uh, at Feeksby twenty three, um, but yeah, you'll you'll not learn anything there to your advantage. It's really not worth your while. But please do, you know, by all means. And I do a podcast with my friend Lawrence, which is uh, the Highlanders, which is available through some podcatchers. But again, I wouldn't bother if I were you. It's not very good. I, I would I would heartily recommend it. Um, the, the podcast and I would say if you like the archers I would recommend follow, <laughs> follow you, following you on Twitter as well <laughs> Linda Snell for president <laughs> uh, so the um, I saw you saw on, saw on Twitter the other day the Highlanders is coming back Oh, it will be. Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd left it sort of rather in a hurry, as, as almost as though it was on fire or something. Uh, we, 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 uh, we had a thing planned, and then it just turned out Lawrence had some stuff on, and then I had different stuff on, and then we both had, like, massive things to deal with. So now we're, um, we're it, it, it's on hiatus, but I, I would say, yeah, sooner rather than later, I'm sure we'll get back to it. Because we're teetering on the verge of episode 100. You can only imagine how splendid that will be. Yes. Yeah, you're up to 98, I think. 98, yeah. So, yeah. We left it in the middle as well. I think we were going through series three. Yeah. How many have you done that? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't count mine. Um, I, I need to, oh, <laughs> I need to check. Fewer, is, is it fewer than ninety-eight? <laughs> it will be. It will be. Yeah. I, um, I, I only sort of remember every now and again. It's been a few years now. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did the fiftieth. Started with Doctor Mysterio, didn't you? So it's, yes, so uh, with John. Yeah, still right available. Minute, so. Oh, that that was a. Oh, see, do you remember that? Those yeah. olden days of yeah. Peter Capaldi. Do you remember Peter Capaldi? <laughs> yeah. Way back. When. Hey, if we. Yeah, we haven't spoken about series eleven, have we? But you, you have with other people, so that's good. Yes. Can you, I go? 
Can I go on record and say it's absolutely magnificent and I like Judy Whittaker? You certainly can. Excellent. I Good stuff. Yes. I have a strong yeah. belief that this this is going to be one of those periods. It's almost like um like a very hard reset. And I think this is going to be one of those periods where whilst this is not particularly highly regarded uh, at the moment by people who are watching it, I think people are going to go back to it and go, this is amazing. Why, why were people so rude about this? There's a very, very high level of accomplishment going on. There's so much stuff in it that I absolutely adore. I think Jodie Whittaker is fantastic. I'm loving the music, loving the look of it. Um, some of the stories have been... Pretty good, pretty affecting, uh, but it really won me over with the frog on a chair. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm very, very much pro frog on a chair. That was my favourite episode of the series. And, and you are correct, Mark. This is one of those incidents. <laughs> I think you'll find the best episode was Kablam, but never mind. Was it a frog? Or was it a spider? Or was it a crab? Or was, it a, <laughs> um, was it a parasite? I should just say as well, fans of the Highlanders podcast should tune in in a couple of weeks' time when Lawrence will be my co-host. Oh, is he seeing another podcast behind my back? <laughs> he is, I'm afraid. Uh, yes. Hopefully, he's that's, a scam. hopefully <laughs> that's not going to set back the Highlanders' return. Yeah, he, to be ironic, he, <laughs> <laughs> we're like Simon and Garfunkel now. We will podcast, yeah. but only back to back. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, preparing for our podcast isn't uh, isn't taken away from uh, uh, from Highland as well. Uh, also, join me next week when my co-hosts will be Denise Sutton and Pete Lambert, and we'll be talking about uh, Galaxy Four to mark the uh, the long-awaited vinyl release. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Happy happy sleep time, everybody. Yes. Now return to your work and play with fresh heart and renewed energy. All oh, right. <laughs> oh no, wait. I came in a bit late with that. <laughs>